You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. Last week, uh, on Monday, I went to a church in Columbia. There was, uh, it's a whole other story that I'll share at a different time, but there's a pastor there um, that I have grown up with that I was able, uh, since a kid, he used to come to our church in Louisiana. He travels all over the world, um, and it just so happened on Monday, I just so happened to come to his website, and it just so happened that he was speaking and preaching at a church in Columbia. And so I went to uh, the service uh, to listen to him preach. I brought Noah with me, and as he was preaching and and preaching a, a lot of different things, he made a statement Uh, that was kind of fleeting as he transitioned from Scripture to Scripture and from story to story, but it stuck with me, and it's something that I've been kind of chewing on the last couple of days, and I feel like the Lord uh, is speaking to me but also wanting to speak to you today, and the phrase that he said was, enough is enough. Enough is enough, and that I've pondered on that phrase and and thought on that phrase and prayed on that phrase throughout this week. And the question that I asked and the question that I'm asking you today is, are you tired or worn out? Are you frustrated? Are you beyond done with a certain situation, a certain sickness, a certain sin in your life? Because I believe that today is the day to declare that enough is to learn, start down the path of healing and recovery. Today we're going to learn, hopefully, how to learn to overcome and starts with saying enough is enough. We woke up yesterday morning, me and my wife, and as I, I believe it was Maddie first, as she went into the bathroom, she came out and said, there are ants everywhere. I said, all right, that's a good way to start the morning. So I got up and I went into our closet to get dressed and get ready to start the day. And as I walked into the closet, I called my wife in there and I said, there are ants everywhere. And as we moved from bathroom to closet to our room and we looked around and said, there are ants everywhere. And so we got out the vacuum, we started to suck up the entire creation of ants, I believe, in the world. And we started this world war with this nation of ants that seemingly has been winning for the last 24 hours. I made the decision that these ants weren't going to beat us. And so Maddie was inside the house vacuuming and cleaning up, and the ants started to take ground, honestly. They got into Eliza's room and They got into Noah's room where there were empty uh, candy wrappers and food on the floor that we were helping them in their victory. I went outside and said, you know, these ants aren't going to win, and I started sprinkling whatever type of fire ant killer I had around the house. And then I decided I was going to go underneath the house, crawl under there and see if the ants were underneath there. Said they aren't going to win. We're going to go above, below, beyond. And we went to the Peachy's house for Teddy's birthday. Happy birthday, Teddy. 
Happy birthday, Tina, by the way. Um, and we came back, and the ants knew that we were gone. They thought that we had retreated, and they took over again. I said, this is unbelievable. I said, enough is enough. This is, we're not going to let them win. So we started spraying every type of thing that we could find. Peppermint oil, they told us that would defeat the ants. It doesn't. They said Windex would defeat the ants. It doesn't. Uh, apparently, uh, bleach and comet uh, in some type of spray stops the ants. So we thought we had victory, and we woke up this morning, and boy, we did not. As we went back into the closet, all of our socks and our shirts, and essentially the things that we're wearing are the only thing that wasn't covered in ants this morning, said, all right, you might have won this battle, but tomorrow I'm calling the pest control and we're bringing in the big guns. But I've made the decision that enough is enough. I'm not just going to sit there and let the ants ruin our lives. How does this apply? Because I think in each and every one of our lives, we in some way, shape, or form, we've let some ants into our lives, something that's been nagging our lives, something that's been biting and chewing and frustrating, that I've tried to get rid of them. I've tried to vacuum them up. I've tried to, I've tried to, uh, to spray them out. I, I've tried to kill them out, but it just keeps showing up in my life. It keeps happening over and over and over again, and I'm tired of being tired. I'm tired of being frustrated. I'm tired of dealing with this over and over and over, and I've made the decision that enough is enough. Today is the day that victory is going to happen in my life, and today is the day that victory is going to happen in your lives when you make the decision that enough is enough. I'm tired of dealing with this over and over. And the story we're going to look at is a story that we're probably familiar with if we've been in the Bible, if we've been in church, and it's, we're going to talk about the woman with the issue of blood. And we're going to start in Luke chapter 8, but we're going to mainly be in, Luke, in Mark chapter 5. I'm just going to read one passage in Luke 8, and the rest of it's going to be in Mark chapter 5, the other part of the story. In Luke chapter 8, it says, uh, verse 43, now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed in any way. And we'll look at the other side of the story in Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 25. In verse 26, it says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things, from many physicians, she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Now, according to those two scriptures, this woman has done everything in her power to overcome her issues. She's gone to every doctor. She's visited every doctor. She spent every penny that she has She's done everything that she could possibly do to find relief, to find freedom, to find the answer to where are those dadgum ants coming from, but she hasn't had any relief. And actually, she's actually grown worse over those 12 years. 
And if understanding that this woman was under the old covenant as a Jewish woman, you can read it in regards to the law, and you'll find it in Leviticus. I don't remember the exact chapter, but it talks about a woman who has some type of bleeding issue, that she is considered unclean until she stops bleeding. It says in the law that this woman or any woman who has an issue of blood, anywhere she sits, that area is considered unclean. Anywhere that she goes, that area is considered unclean. Anything that she touches is considered unclean. If a woman who has an issue of blood touches another person, that person is considered unclean for at least a full day. And it says in Leviticus, the law says that once the blood stops, then you are able to go to the temple. You can't go inside the temple. The priest has to come outside the temple. You have to offer up a sacrifice to the priest. The priest would then deem you as clean, and then you could go into the temple. Now, this woman has had an issue with bleeding for 12 years which means everywhere she goes, she has to tell people where I just sat, what I just touched is considered unclean. Anybody that she touched, she had to let them know that she was unclean. She couldn't even go to church and go into church because she was dealing with this issue. Aren't you glad we're on this side of the covenant? The new covenant, you can actually come to church today. Think about what this woman is dealing with financially, Physically, as her body grows worse, as the pain intensifies, as the money goes by the wayside, as her family more than likely has left her alone, as the church has shunned her, as she has gone through all of these things, how frustrating this situation is. So we're going to continue to read her story, and the first truth we're going to pull out of, how can I overcome something going on in my life? How can I deal with whatever I've been dealing with for, it doesn't have to be 12 years, it could be 12 hours, it could be 12 days where I'm frustrated, I can't overcome it, I've tried everything, I've paid everything, I've asked everything, I've gone to church, I've done this, I've done that, I've tried everything that I could, and I can't see the victory, and now I'm tired, now I'm worn out, now I'm ready to give up, now I don't know what the next step is. This is the place that this woman is, and this is also some of the places that I feel and I believe, if God didn't have me preach it, that some of you are in today. But we're not going to stay in that place. We're not going to keep dealing with that loss of blood in our lives. We're going to see victory. We're going to see that in our first truth of simply saying Enough is enough. Because in Mark chapter 5, verse 27 and 28, the next part of the story, it says, When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If I only may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. If I only may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. That she made the decision in her life. She had gone to the doctor. She had been forsaken by her family. She's tired. She's worn out. She doesn't feel good. And she said, enough is enough. 
because she heard about a man. She had gone to plenty of men. She'd gone to plenty of doctors. Are we, what are we doing here? <laughs> Hello. Um, oh. <laughs> that we have. Hey, whatever keeps them quiet, let them let play it if that makes them happy. <laughs> this woman has gone to many, many men. She's gone to men in her family. She's gone, oh, poor baby, oh, no, give him the keys back. Everybody, get your keys out, and let's bring them to the baby. Give them, poor baby, I'm sorry. She's gone to every man that she knows that could help her, that can heal her, that can do something, and they haven't been able to. But she's heard about a man who has let the unclean touch him. And when the unclean touch him, they become clean. She's heard stories about this man who has touched lepers, and the lepers have instantly been healed. She's heard stories about people who have died, and he touched the dead, and they came back to life. She's heard stories about people who were demon-possessed that Jesus touched, and instantly they became free. She says, enough is enough. I've got to go hear about this man. I've got to go see this man. And if he won't touch me, then I'll go out there and I'll touch him. And I know that I'll be made well. In Romans chapter 13, verse 11, Paul makes this statement. And he says, and do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awaken out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Paul is encouraging the church of Rome and encouraging us today to do this, knowing that the time is right now, now more than any time. However long you've been dealing with whatever you've been dealing with, now is the perfect time and the perfect day to obtain and receive your healing and your miracle in your life. Now is high time to awaken out of sleep, for right now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. That Jesus right now is even closer, says he's closer than a brother, is here for you in this service, in this moment, to help you. You've been trying, you've been working, you've been asking, you've been believing, you've been looking, and you haven't seen the answer. But now is the time to declare by faith that enough is enough. Enough is enough. Let's say that together. Let's say that together. One, two, three. Enough is enough. Let's say it one more time. Say it with your spirit. Enough is enough. Whatever that thing is, the Holy Spirit, I believe, even now is bringing something to your mind, bringing something to your memory, bringing something that you've been dealing with, that you've been struggling with, and enough is enough for that situation. And you might be saying, but you don't know how long I've dealt with it. You don't know how long and how frustrated I am with it. You don't know what's going on or who did this or what did that or how I'm still doing it. No, no, no. All of that aside, now is your time for salvation because enough is enough. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 33 and 34, 
Paul is also writing to another church, and he says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. And then verse 34 says, Awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. That's not you. You have the knowledge of God. What you're holding in your hand is the knowledge of God. You can pick this up right now and see the knowledge of God, of what He has for you, of what He believes for you, of what He wants to share with you. I speak this to your shame. Verse 33 says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. We know that. We as parents tell that to our kids all the time. When they're going to school, when they're going wherever they're going, we tell them, make sure you hang out with the right crowd. We understand that. We want to put ourselves in the best place that evil company or bad company corrupts good habits. But the reverse is true, that good company builds up good habits. That's why we encourage you to come to church. That way you can sit with a, with a group of believers and that we can encourage each other. We can tell each other what God is doing in our lives. We can, we can be led by the Holy Spirit to speak into each other's lives, to encourage each other, to build each other up. We go to work, when we go to school, when we go out there. I don't go to the grocery store to get encouraged. Usually when the person is scanning my stuff, they're not saying, God is for you. God is on your side. He loves you. He's praying for you. He's standing for you. Don't you worry about it. This is a great product. He's going to buy. He's going to supply. He's going to meet your needs. I haven't had one person. I've gone to hundreds, if not thousands, of grocery stores all over the nation, and not one time have I had somebody preach to me. That's why we come to church. Good company, it brings up, it builds up good habits. But you know what? There's a company that is always with you that ultimately really drives your bad habits. And sometimes that evil company is the thing or the person that's in between your two ears. Yourself. Every day, you're thinking and you're dwelling and you're dealing with the same thing over and over and over and over again. And you don't have your mind renewed, and therefore it's bad company that causes you to do those same bad habits. And sometimes we got to tell that person in between our two ears to shut up. We got to tell them that enough is enough, that God is on our side, and it's time to awaken to righteousness. Not awaken to the fear, not awaken to the failure, not awaken to that same cycle over and over and over again, but that we make the decision that enough is enough. Last weekend, me and my wife, we got the kids to bed, and maybe this is where the, the ants started. Uh, we were watching a movie in our room, in our bed, and we got some popcorn, and we got M&Ms, and, and we were watching a show, and maybe that was our downfall to the ants coming and taking over. And while we were sitting there watching a the show, eating popcorn, I got a kernel stuck behind the front part of my teeth, and it got jammed up in my gums. And I said, well, this isn't, this isn't fun. This isn't right. So immediately, I got like a toothpick, and uh, I was uh, trying to work this thing out of my teeth. I couldn't get it. So then I went and brushed my teeth. Then I went and got some mouthwash and tried that. Then I got some water, and I swished it around. And no matter what I tried, I couldn't get this kernel out of the back part of my teeth. I said, all right, well... So 
Sunday happened, Monday happened, I'm still brushing my teeth, I'm still swishing it out with water, I'm still working it with my tongue, I'm at work, and I'm typing and sending out emails, but the whole time, I'm just focused on this stupid kernel that's in my mouth that I can't get out. Tuesday happens, Wednesday happens, Thursday happens, I'm getting more annoyed with this little tiny kernel that is driving me crazy in my mind. Friday happens, I get done with work, and I'm in bed, laying in bed, got the TV on, watching a baseball game, and I'm not really watching the game, because I'm just like trying to like suck my teeth and get my tongue, and you know, you're feeling it now. In your, in your mouth, you can feel that frustration of it. I said, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm going to get this thing out. I'm going to get all the knives that I have, all the hammers, so I go get another toothpick, I get back in bed, and I said, well, we're in like the second or third inning, so I've got till nine innings to get this thing out. Before I put the toothpick in my mouth, I said, God, get this thing out of my mouth. Like, this is, we, we've been working on this thing for too long, and God, I'm asking you to help me get rid of this thing. So I put that toothpick up there, and there's blood, and there's saliva, and there's tears, I'm joking, but in like literally like four or five minutes, that thing comes out of my mouth. I said, why didn't I pray earlier? I pulled that kernel out of my mouth and I rebuked it to hell. And I went to the living room where Maddie and Noah were watching a show. And I held it out to Maddie. I said, look, babe. Said, what am I looking at? I said, finally, you remember that kernel that was stuck in my mouth like a week ago? She's like, God, you didn't get that out? That's gross. It's like, I've been working on it. I've been trying. I said, I got it out. And instantly when I got it out, there was relief. And I go and brush my teeth and, and, and mouthwash, and, and I can feel the relief of my gums. That this little tiny thing was driving me crazy for a week as I was trying and trying and trying to do everything I could in my power. And finally, I said, enough is enough. And I involved God in it. And instantly, we got it out. You've had something stuck in your body, your mind, your soul, your spirit for way too long. And it's causing you pain. It's causing you discomfort. And it's time to say enough is enough and to get it removed so that you can experience the relief. It's time to wake up, wake up to your salvation and righteousness and know that you do not have to keep dealing with the issue day after day, year after year like this woman. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, it says, let us, that's you and me, this isn't just to the people in the Bible, it says, let us, all of us together, not just the pastors, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. For he who promised is faithful. That woman with the issue of blood, she says, I know this man, Jesus, has healed people before. And if he's healed people before, then he'll heal people again. And if he'll heal other people, then he'll heal me. And her confession as she was going was, I just got to touch the hem of his garment and I'll be healed. I've just got to touch the hem of his garment and I'll be healed. I've just got to touch the hem of his garment. As there was pain, as there was uh, intensity in her body, I've just got to touch the hem of his garment. She held fast to her confession without wavering because she knew that he was faithful. 
Your confession today is enough is enough. I'm done with it. It's over. I'm walking free from it. The second truth that we can pull out of this scripture in Mark chapter 5, verses 29 and 30. She fights through the crowd. She sees Jesus. She touches the hem. And look at this. Immediately, the fountain of blood was dried up. Praise God. And she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched me? Or who touched my clothes? The second truth that we can pull out of this to help you on your journey to overcoming whatever that frustration is, is you've got to touch the word. You've got to touch the word. You've got to reach out and touch the word. That word touched here in the original text means to attach oneself to, to fasten oneself to, to adhere to, or cling to. That I'm not going to cling to my problem anymore. I'm not going to cling to that sin anymore. I'm not going to cling to that sickness anymore. I'm not going to cling to that situation anymore. I'm not going to cling to that. I'm going to let go of that. I'm going to quit holding on to that. I'm going to quit touching that. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to touch Jesus. I'm going to touch the Word of God. Because this woman... Anything that she touched for the last 12 years, she had to go and tell them that you're unclean. If she's in the marketplace and she touches something, she's got to let them know, hey, I accidentally touched this piece of fabric. I touched this little lamp. I touched this candle. That's considered unclean. You've got to clean it. She goes to a friend's house and she sits somewhere. She says, well, can you put me in a chair that you'll have to clean later? It's unclean. That everything she touched was considered instantly unclean. But she reached out and she touched Jesus and a great exchange happened. Jesus said, give me all of your uncleanliness and I'll give you all of my cleanliness. And then Jesus, who the woman would have to say, you're unclean, Jesus. You're going to have to go wash. You're going to have to go do this, do that. Jesus said, no. I'll take all of your uncleanliness, and I'll stay clean. And I'll give you all the cleanliness that you need. In John chapter 1, verse 14, talking about Jesus, and it says, The Word and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. So before Jesus came to the earth, he's known as the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, it says at the beginning of John chapter 1. And then here, as we read down in John chapter 1, it says the Word became flesh, and then the Word left. He went back up to heaven. And look at Revelations chapter 19, verse 13. John is having a revelation of Jesus at the end of time, and it says, And he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. Praise God. And his name is still called to this day the Word of God. And in that Word is full of grace and full of truth. And now the Word who was with God now became to the earth and became flesh and then went back up to heaven and now is in paper form for us to read. It says that this is full of grace and truth. 
that we make it a priority in our lives to touch the Word, to find out what's in this book to help us overcome whatever things that we can't overcome on our own. In Hebrews 4.12, we've heard this scripture many of times, talking about the Word of God. For the Word of God is living, it's breathing, it's powerful, it's active, other translations say. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. For the Word of God is living, breathing, active, and powerful, which means right now, in this moment, we can reach out and touch the Word and be healed and be restored and recover and let go of whatever it is that's holding you back and holding on to you. Me and Noah, we like to watch other people play video games on YouTube or different things. Noah likes to play video games, and, and so we bought him Mario and Zelda, and he's played Minecraft and stuff. And so we'll watch these other people play these games, and we'll watch, you know, however many it takes for them to go all the way through, and they beat the game. But there's no enjoyment for me and Noah when it comes to watching them beat the game. We didn't do anything. We hit play, we turned up the sound, but we watched them go through the entire game and beat it. But what's really cool is now that my son's getting older and he's playing, he used to get to like the hard parts of the game and he'd bring it to me and he'd say, Daddy, just beat this and then I'll play the rest of it. But now as he's getting older, I'm telling him, you beat it. It's time for you to beat the bad guys in the video games. And I'll show him and I'll, I'll kind of give him some instructions, jump over here and don't step on that and don't do this and, and do that. But I've let him start playing it. And I remember uh, one of the Zelda games recently, Noah beat the whole game, beat the big boss all by himself. And he died a couple times and he was getting mad and he's getting frustrated and he was crying. It's like, buddy, there's no tears in video games. Come on. And he was sitting on the sofa, and, and I was, there was a couple different stages to the battle. And I was encouraging him, well, you got to do this, you got to do this. And he got through the first part of the battle. Then he's playing the second part. And he's sitting on the sofa, and uh, he's frustrated and through his tears, but he's mashing those buttons. Come on, buddy, you can do it. Do this, do that, do that. And he beats the guy, and he beats the game. And all of a sudden, those tears turned to joy. He's jumping on the sofa. He's defeated the bad guy. The credits are rolling. Same is true in your life. It's time to quit watching everybody else get their miracle. It's great that they're getting their miracle. It's great that God's speaking to them and helping them, but it's time for you to put your hands on the controller of life and start playing the game and start touching the Word of God and seeing His Word work in your life. I'm so happy and I'm so proud that God is speaking and moving in your life, but I need to see God move in my life. And therefore, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to touch the Word of God. I'm going to touch Jesus and I'm going to receive it. There were hundreds, if not thousands of people surrounding Jesus at that moment. And there was one woman who decided with her faith that I'm going to touch Jesus and I'm going to receive my healing. Everybody else around could have grabbed Jesus in that same manner and received their healing and received their miracle, and they didn't. They stood there, and they watched her. It's time for you to quit standing there and watching everybody else, and it's time for you to say enough is enough and to touch the Word of God. And the second part of Hebrews 4, 
verse 13 says, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account, which leads us into our last truth, which is simply says, tell the truth. Enough is enough. You've got to make the decision that enough is enough. You've got to touch the word. And finally, you've got to tell the truth. Mark chapter 5, verse 32 and 33. She's pushed through the crowd. She's found Jesus. She's touched Jesus. Immediately, she's been healed. She feels it. Jesus feels it. Nobody else knows what's going on. Verse 32 says, and he looked around to see her who had done this thing. Verse 33 says, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him. And look at this. And told him the whole truth. The whole truth. She had to have an open conversation with Jesus. She had to have an open conversation with herself. Weirdly, she had to have an open conversation with the hundreds and thousands of people around her as well. But think about it. She's received her miracle. She's received her healing. She's kneeling at the feet of Jesus. And what do you think that she's telling him? All the years of frustration, all the years of anger, all the years of disappointment that she had held on to, she is finally able to release. Jesus, I've gone to every doctor that I could afford, and nobody's helped me. Jesus, I haven't been able to see my family and friends. I haven't been able to hug these people. I haven't been able to go to the temple. I haven't been able to do this and that. I've asked for help. I've asked and done this. I've done this. I've done everything that I could do, and nothing happened. But I heard about you, and I just believed that you were going to help me in some way, shape, or form. But I didn't know because if I, if I came to you and I touched you, then you would have been unclean. So I had to come up from behind you and just barely touch you. As she's just releasing everything that she's had hidden in her heart. Year after year, 12 years, how much of the truth is she releasing? Is she being open and honest with God? I was so mad. I was so frustrated. I was so angry. I didn't know. I didn't think God even cared about me anymore because I've been dealing with it time and time and time again. She's just talking. In John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, Jesus is speaking. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciple indeed. In verse 32, we we heard this scripture before, and you shall know the truth. Well, how am I going to know the truth? How do I know what is truth? How can I know it? Well, it said it in the previous scripture, if you abide in my word, if you touch Jesus, if you touch his word, then you'll know the truth. And if you know the truth instantly, the truth shall make you free that each and every one of us is going to have to have time and have an honest conversation with ourselves and with Jesus. God, I've been praying for you to deliver me for all these years, and I haven't seen the answer. I've been praying for this, and I've been believing for that. I've been going to church. I've been reading the Bible. I've been doing this and that and that. I've gone to the doctor, and there's been no answer. There's been no healing. There's been no freedom in this situation, and I need an answer. Jesus has his big boy robe on. He can handle whatever you need to tell him. There's been many of times in my life 
Y'all know I enjoy a good shower every now and then where God speaks. Where with tears in my eyes and water running over my head, you can't see tears when there's water on your face. It's proven science. Where I've talked to God and said, I don't know what you're doing. Your word says this, but in my life, I'm not seeing that. I'm believing and I'm standing on this, but I'm not seeing this. What's going on? What are you doing? What are you saying? Where are you at? I've had to have honest conversations with me and Jesus. And you know what? He's been able to handle all of those conversations. And he's answered and he's met those needs and he's helped me through so many different things. Let's look how Jesus responds, and I'm finishing with this. Mark chapter 5, verse 34. Jesus could have said so many things. How dare you touch me? You know that you're unclean and you've broken the law. Therefore, get out of my presence. Disciples, remove her. How dare you? I can't believe you. That's a silly story. I don't have time for it. Remember, at this point, he is going to Jairus' house because Jairus' daughter is on on her deathbed. So there's some other things that are going on. I don't have time to talk to you. I've got to go. I've got to do this. And he says to her, after she said the whole truth, as she's vomited out everything that she can, that she's been holding in for years and years, daughter, your faith has made you well. Now go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Look at this. Not only does God heal her physically, but he heals her mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. He takes all of that stuff. As she's exposing her heart, he goes and said, go in peace. Don't worry about it anymore. I know you've been worrying and fretting and frustrated and angry for over 12 years, but today is your first day of peace in Jesus' name. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. The last scripture I have, and I'm tying it all together and I'm landing the plane. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 and 16. 14 through 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. Here's our first truth right there. Enough is enough. Hold fast to your confession. Enough is enough. I'm done with this. I'm done with dealing with it. I'm not going to deal with it tomorrow the same way I dealt with it yesterday. I'm going to see a change. It might not be an immediate change or it might be an immediate change, but I'm going to see something different today than what I dealt with this same thing yesterday. It's not going to hold on to me. It's not going to drag me down like it has in the past. I'm not going to fall over it again. I'm going to hold fast to my confession that enough is enough. Verse 15 says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. That word sympathize in the original text means to feel sympathy. It means to have compassion, but I love this definition. It means to be touched with a feeling of, that we still have a high priest. We still have Jesus who is allowing us to touch him even today. He sympathizes with our weakness. He allows us to reach out and touch him. He doesn't say, wait till you get stronger. Wait till you go to church more. Wait till you do this. Wait till you do that. No, no. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's inviting you in our second truth to touch him as the word. In verse 16, says, and let us therefore come boldly 
to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us therefore come boldly, our last truth, tell the truth, that I've got to walk into heaven. I've got to walk in to the throne room of God, and I've got to tell him, I need help. I can't do this on my own anymore. I'm frustrated. I've tried everything. I've done everything I could. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I need help. And it doesn't say that he's going to kick you out of his throne room. It doesn't say that he's going to laugh at you. He's going to say, come on in and get all of the grace and all of the mercy and everything that you need. Because it ties back to our offering scripture that I know my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory through the word Christ Jesus. Enough is enough. It's time to come out of whatever that situation is. Today is your day of freedom. Let's stand up as we get ready to go and head out. I hope this has blessed you. I hope this has helped you. I hope that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you over the last 30, 45 minutes. He's been putting his finger on that exact thing that you have been dealing with, that you have been frustrated with, that you have been wanting to get rid of, but not knowing how to do that. And hopefully you take these lessons into heart, just like that woman with the issue of blood. She walked into an encounter with Jesus, sick, frustrated, defeated, and she walked out of that, healed of her afflictions with peace for the first time in her life. For the first time in her life, in 12, however many years, she experienced peace. And today, for the first time in how long, I'm praying and believing that peace will be delivered to your life. Let's bow our heads today, and as we pray, with your head bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking, would you be honest, and would you take a step of faith today, and just raise your hand and say, you know what, that speaks to me, enough is enough. Enough is enough. I need, I need help in my life. Thank you. Thank you. Let me pray with you and pray over you. Father, you saw the hands that were raised that made a declaration of faith, that they're going through something in their lives. And Father, they're tired of it. Father, they're worn out. Father, they have been losing blood. They've been losing sleep. They have been losing friends. They have been losing their emotions through this experience and through this situation. And Father, they raise their hands saying, enough is enough. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I ask you to help them today. They're reaching out to you. Father, I ask you to meet them where they're at. Father, let them have an honest conversation with you this week. On their way to work, in the shower, when they're outside, if they're doing laundry, if they're cooking, if they're spending time with their kids, that they take time to have an honest conversation with you. And a conversation means that they talk to you and that they hear your voice as you speak back to them. Because you're going to tell them exactly what they need to hear. You're going to tell them to go in peace. You're going to tell them to be healed. You're going to tell them that they are your sons and daughters. You're going to tell them that you love them, that you're proud of them, that you're so glad that, you find, that they finally turned to you, that they finally made the decision to give up, to let go and let God. Father, I thank you for the people here today that we have 
inside of our spirit, inside of our soul, the continual stance that enough is enough. This world is not going to keep attacking me. This devil's not going to keep attacking me and my family and my church and my household and my job and my finances. No, no, no. Enough is enough. Jesus, it says, you sent your word and it healed us of all destruction. And Father, I thank you for each and every person here that they are blessed and highly favored, that they have the mind of Christ, that God is with them. You're on their side. Therefore, they do not fear what can any man do to them. Everything they put their hands to prospers. Greater are you that's in them than anything that can come against them in the world. Today, we choose to awake to righteousness. Today, we choose to awake and see your salvation, which is right near us, that we can reach out and grab it, and we walk boldly into your throne room to obtain everything that we need, grace and mercy. Father, help us today and help us help others that we can go out and share this message with them. Father, I thank you for the people here. I thank you that they're blessed and highly favored, that they are safe, they are protected, that your angels are in charge of them and watching over everything that they do. Bring them back safely next Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you all next week. Take care, family. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.